0: In today's beautiful Gospel, it's a Gospel of extreme seriousness. Extreme seriousness. All Gospels, of course, are very serious, but this one here calls us to be very, very serious in how we approach and how we respond to this Gospel. Our Lord tells us today what the true cost of discipleship is. And if we really want to follow Christ, and if we are truly Christians, if we are real Christians, then we have to know what the cost is. And we must be willing to pay that cost or else we cannot be disciples. We cannot be true Christians. It's very black and white and there is no gray area. We start the gospel by hearing that a great multitude went with him and he turned and said to them. And before we get into what he said, we understand here the fathers tell us this great multitude symbolizes every single person sitting here in this room, in this church every single person because many times it says he turned to his disciples and said and turned to the pharisees and said but here it says he turned to a great multitude that means today's gospel is for every single person specifically and personally not to the bishops the priests not to anyone who comes doesn't for every single human being on earth and our lord says if anyone comes to me and does not hate His father and mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. Pretty odd, don't you think? It's a pretty rough one. Is God here asking us to hate? Hmm. Is Jesus really telling us that we have to hate our moms and our dads? Our wives and husbands sisters brothers kids oh of course not of course not we have to know how to read our Bibles and how to understand what God is saying to us in the Gospels our Lord here is telling us that we have to be extremely serious it's either he he is the all-in-all or we're not his disciples Either He is everything in our life or He is not. There is no gray area. I have to be extremely serious. We have to be extremely serious. According to the fathers of the church, they tell us, we are to hate the way our relationships with others hinder our total dedication to God and to the kingdom of God. Because in the absence of God, we make idols of our relationships. When I put God second, third, fourth, and fifth, I put the first thing in front of me, my relationship with my wife as an idol. This is what I have to take care of first. Happy wife, happy life, so God can wait. Right? I have to take care of my parents. God said, honor your mother and father, so God can wait. So no, God is telling us, you have to borderline hate everything and everyone. This is how much he needs to be first. Because when we focus on our wives and our husbands and not on God, our kids and not on God, our parents and not on God, and ourselves and not on God, how can we be His disciples? How can we follow Him? The disciples who followed Him in the, in the Gospels left everything. And Peter left his wife, they left everything and they followed Him. So we too have to leave everything. It doesn't mean that we leave our wives, we leave our kids and we leave everything. But we leave in the sense of He is first, And when we put everything else second, everything falls into place. We learned today that our relationship with God, when we put Him above all, our relationships become successful. All other relationships become successful. Because there is no proper love without Jesus Christ. So it's not so much hate everyone, it's love everyone by first loving Christ and how Christ loves. When we are disciples of Christ and put Him First, and our relationship with Him first, we learn how to love our wife, how to love our husband, how to love our parents and our siblings and our kids. When we put everything second in our lives, we put God first, all other relationships become top tier. They operate perfectly because it's through the love of God that we love others properly. There are many relationships that are suffering, many marriages that are failing, many siblings who don't talk to each other, brothers and sisters, they don't talk to each other. Many children and parents have issues with each other. Why? Is this how God created us to be? No. He created us to be a unit, to be a family, to be together. And it's only by putting Him first that those relationships flourish. There's there's a paradox here, and we'll dive more into that in a moment. He also tells us, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And if we go back to chapter 9, this is chapter 14 in Luke. If we go back to chapter 9, he dives deeper, our Lord dives deeper into this. He says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will what? Lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Save it. There's that paradox. For what prophet is a man Is it to a man if he gains the whole world and himself is lost or destroyed? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the son of man will be ashamed when he comes into his own glory and his father's and the holy angels. So today we have to ask ourselves, are we truly disciples of Christ? Are we truly Christians? Have we denied ourselves? And of course, if we ask each other, the answer is going to be yes. Yes, of course, we are Christians. We're here. We're in church. We are disciples of Christ. We take communion. We confess. We teach Sunday school. We go to Sunday school. We are here. We're disciples of Christ. But did we count the cost? Did we truly sit down and say, okay, this is what it's going to cost to actually be a disciple of Christ? The total cost. Because as you know, if something costs $100 and you have $90, are you going to be able to buy this thing? No, you have to have the total cost. Unless you're in Egypt and you know how to haggle, then you could probably get it for $90. But usually if it's $100, it's $100. And you have to calculate the cost. So what it means for our everyday lives to count the cost, that we must put Him above our families and above ourselves. And we ask ourselves, have we done this? And about counting the cost, look at what our Lord says, For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? whether he has enough to finish it. Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, those who see begin to mock him saying, this man has begun to build and was unable to finish. Or what king going to make war with another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else while he is a great way off, he sends a delegation asking for conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So if you notice here, there's something a bit strange. Those two examples about the tower and the king and counting the cost. And then he says, whoever does not forsake all cannot be my disciple. So the cost here is not in gathering money or gathering troops. It's in actually getting rid of everything. Our Lord makes it clear that we must sit and think about this. We have to be serious because all those situations are very, very serious. Building a tower is a very serious situation. And a king going to make war with another king is a very serious situation. It's not something that can be taken lightly. And here, being his disciple is a very serious situation. Because our Lord is coming back. Is He not? He's coming back. One day He's going to crack open the sky and He's going to come back. And He's going to take His disciples with Him. And he's going to leave the rest. And many people are going to be left. But his disciples are going to be with him. So we need to know if we are disciples or not. We don't want to live this life and be caught behind thinking this whole time, I was a disciple and I I totally, I'm with him and I'm going to go with him. And then when he comes and he leaves, we're left behind because we didn't really actually count the cost. There's a part in the tasbihah in which we say, may we never fearfully hear you say what hmm? may we never fearfully hear you say it i do not know you yes i do not know you may we never hear you say i do not know you because he will tell people i do not know you and he says this in other gospels he says many people will say to me lord lord but they are not my disciples they're not my people we fell, we did this we followed you we did no i don't know you because they didn't count the cost, and they didn't pay what that cost was. And we don't want to be caught with that. We don't want to be caught with that. So we must be serious. It's either we are disciples or not. Today is a very serious day. We have to make this decision. If we are disciples, then we sit down and we count the cost. And we figure it out exactly what it is that costs me to be a disciple of Christ, and I pay this cost by putting Him above everything else in my life. And going back to the example of the building of the tower and of this king going to war. Very specific examples that our Lord uses. And there's a reason why he uses those two examples. If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we read, You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ has to be the foundation of this tower. Hmm? Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. Because it will also be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work. This is the cross that we're carrying. Of what he will receive a reward. If anyone if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer a loss. But if he who but he himself will be saved, sorry, if he who built endures, it will be a reward. If anyone's work is burned, then he will suffer a loss. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So God is using this example because we are the tower. We are the tower that is being built. Hmm? We are this great temple of God and it must be built to completion or else it becomes a mockery. And we lose our eternal glory. And what greater mockery is there of a fake Christian or someone who is a fake disciple? Who is laughing at us when we are fake Christians? Christ uses the example of the people, but who's laughing at us? It's Satan. It's the demons, it's the enemies who saying, yeah, you did a good job, you prayed, yeah, you did a good job, pay. great, but you totally, you have no relationship with God. Yeah, you came to church, great, you have no relationship with God. You didn't count the cost. So we don't want the devils and the demons to laugh at us. We want to build this tower perfectly and to completion so that when the Lord comes back, He takes us with Him. As his disciples. St. Basil the Great has a beautiful, beautiful contemplation about this. It's a bit long so I've shortened it. He says the tower is a lofty watchtower fitted with guardianship of the city and the discovery of the enemy's approach. You know when they would build castles they would build tall towers so people can stand and see if the enemy is coming. If the enemy is coming they would prepare and they would have time to ring the bells and everyone would get ready. So this tower that Christ is talking about is a tower out us To be built to see when the enemy comes. So that we can withstand in this day. The Lord bids us to sit down and count. St. Basil continues. The Lord bids us to sit down and count our means if we have sufficient to finish. Our Lord's intention in the above mentioned example is not indeed to afford occasion or give liberty to anyone to become his disciple or not. As indeed it is lawful not to begin a foundation or not to treat of peace. But to show the impossibility the impossibility, something that is impossible, to please God amidst those things which distract the soul in which it is danger of becoming an easy prey to the snares of the wiles of the devil. So it's not so much hate mom and dad, hate everyone, it's pay attention to how all of these things, although they can be holy themselves, can distract us from building this tower. Yes, I have to take care of my kids, I have to take care of my wife, I have to take care of my house. But not at the cost of putting God second. Because then the tower will never be built. And therefore I will never be a disciple. Right? And about the king going to war. The fathers have beautiful commentary. St. Augustine says, The 10,000 of him going to fight with the king who has 20 signify the simplicity of the Christian about to contend with the subtlety of the devil. We are the king and the queens. We are the king that is going to fight against this other king, against the devil. Because the devil is a prince. He's the prince of the world. He's the king of this world. We know this. It belongs to him. And we are also kings. We are heirs to the throne of God. We are God's children. So we are royalty. So we are are the ones who are fighting this other king. And look at what he says. But as with respect to the unfinished tower, he alarms us by the reproaches of those who say the man began to build and was not able to finish. So with regard to the king with whom the battle was to be, he reproved even peace. Adding, or else when the other is yet a great way off, he sends an ambassadorship and desires conditions of peace. Listen to this part very carefully. Signifying that those also who do not forsake all they possessed cannot endure from the devil the threats even coming temptations and make peace with him by consenting with him to commit sin so what st augustine is saying is we are the kings who when we don't give up everything that we have and put god first we go and we make peace with the devil and say what fine i'll commit all the sin you want just leave me alone Just like when one king comes to take over another country and he cuts off the water supply and the food and everyone is dying. Fine, okay, you're the king, just let us live. And how does the devil do this? Think about it. We make peace with the devil when we submit to our desires. When I'm on my phone 24 seven and I'm not reading my Bible, when I'm on TikTok and Instagram and when I'm wasting my time and I'm never praying and I'm never fasting, I have submitted to this king. I have said to him, okay, we make peace. Do you feel the fight of the devil? No, because I have made peace with him. I I have welcomed him. Right? Abuna Makari Yunan, who I'm sure everyone here knows, he was a famous exorcist. May God uh, repose his soul. One time there was an interview with someone. And in Egypt you see a lot of cases of people who are possessed by the devil and he would, by his prayers, God would remove the devil. So they asked him, how come in America we don't see this? How come in America there's no exorcisms? There's no demon possession like we see in Egypt. And he laughed. He said he owns the whole country. He's got everyone under his power. Why is, he going to, why is he going to trouble himself? Why is he going to work? He works smart, not hard. He's got everyone already. So there's no reason for demon possession. Because everyone has made peace with the devil and consent eh? I'm going to sin. I'm going to be at peace with this king. So we have to be very, very careful to take heed to what God is telling us. Am I building my tower to completion? Am I a king who resists the devil or do I make peace and say it is what it is God is not first in my life so here are my desires I gotta make sure I have the money I gotta make sure I have this I gotta make sure my wife is taken care of I gotta make sure all of these things are taken care of and therefore submit to Satan because if God was number one everything else will be taken care of going back to Matthew chapter 6 first seek the kingdom of God and everything will be added to you that's not just money and everything all your relationships will be successful you will know how to love your wife when God is number one. You will know how to take care of your children and your house will be a a source of peace. And that King Satan, when he's trying to come with his army, even if you have 10,000 and he has 20,000, you will see him from the tower and you will ring the bells and you will fortify yourself and he won't be able to come near you. We have to remember, this is the cost of discipleship. And lastly, we get to the salt. Our Lord finishes by saying, salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how should it be seasoned? It is neither good for nothing, but to be thrown out into the dunghill. He who has ears to ear, let him hear. Why salt? Why? And many times God says that we are salt. The fathers tell us that salt illustrates the role of discipleship in society. Because of its preservative powers, its necessity for life, and its ability to give flavor, salt had religious and sacrificial significance. In the Old Testament, to eat salt with someone meant you were bound together by loyalty salt is very distinctive right if you're having something salty you know it's salty there's no scenario where you're like what is this that i'm tasting no you know that it's salty you know something is either salt or not it's either the food needs salt or it doesn't there is no middle area so either we are disciples or we are not in leviticus chapter 3 in the old testament we read and every offering of your grain offering you shall season with salt You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. We have to be the salt of the earth. As the salt of the earth, Christians are the preservers of God's covenant. And we give true flavor to the world. And we can only be salt if we are true disciples. And we can only be true disciples if we put God first by counting the cost of what it means to put Him first. So as we start this Advent fast today, on the road to our Lord being born and the beginning of our salvation, let us truly count the cost and consecrate this fast to the Lord by putting Him above all. We know that orthodoxy is paradox, like we mentioned. If you want to be first, you have to be what? Last. And if you want to be great, you have to wash feet. You have to serve, right? And if you want to count the cost and finish the building, Usually when you build something you have to you need more. You not count how much more money you need and how much you have. But if you really want to count the cost and you want to finish the building and you want to defeat the king, you give up everything and you focus on God. And glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart.